Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Yay Basketball. I'm your host and producer, Michael Padilla. Along with me today, I have Kyle. What's going on? And George. Hey, 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 hey. What's up, guys? <laughs> so glad to have you joining us today. Thank you. Another uh, exciting episode planned. It is Monday, February 24th. It is. Last week's episode, we had Kyle versus George in a little all-star trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wow. my thoughts on the dunk contest, that was a lot of fun. That was a really good episode. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have not listened to that, go back, check it out. Um, share it with your friends if you like it. Um, we have had a good week since the league came back on Thursday night. Um, and a lot of exciting games. And we're going to give our takes on a few different things. And so we'll just dive into it. And later in the game, uh, excuse me, later in the episode, we have our first ever Yay Basketball Debates. So something to look forward to. Um, For now, though, let's just dive right in with our Did This Dude Just Did This. I was kind of like in shock that this whole thing happened. At that time, I'm walking to the free throw line. I'm thinking like, man, did this dude just did this? Is this real? That's right. It's did this dude just did this? Something that we were impressed by, shocked by, something that made us look at each other and go, wait a second, hold on. I was kind of like in shock. All right, I'll kick us off here. I uh, I was impressed by one Jason Tatum yesterday on Sunday against the number one seed in the West Lakers. He scored 41 points on 12 of 22 shooting. That's 60%. He hit four threes. 13 of 15 from the line. So he didn't really fill the stat sheet in terms of like assists or rebounds. I think he had five rebounds, three assists. Um, So overall, not a completely dominant stat line. But what impressed me was the way he was scoring in the game. If you watch that game, his overall dominance was just impressive. Uh, He was double teamed on almost all of his touches down the stretch in the fourth quarter from from like five minutes on. And he was scoring at will. Um, pretty much doing anything he wanted to that Lakers defense. No Kemba last night, so really kind of showed mm-hmm. what he's able to do when it's just him. We saw that again, you know, um, going back to the 2017 playoffs when it was just okay. him and he yeah. was a rookie. Um, Maybe flashes of uh, him actually being able to lead a team. This is what this is kind of something that I wanted to ask you guys: is has he made the leap? Because a game like that against one of the better defenses in the league, one of the best teams in the league, one of the championship favorites, nearly got them the win, a two-point loss. Do you think that he's he's elevated his game and, and he's and he's made the leap yet? Uh, you touched on it. I heard Bill Simmons also touch on it this morning. If there's anybody I, I guess, trust with Celtics knowledge, <laughs> as inseparable as it can be. Sure. Um, he touched on it that, that Tatum was getting doubled early in possessions, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the key, um, just outside of the arc completely. So that should tell you something. Um, if Frank Vogel and the Lakers think they need to do that, then obviously he, he's approaching superstar status. He's a good defender. He's not a liability on the defensive end, and he's he's getting buckets at will. So that's kind of checks two important boxes for me. I'm very impressed. Before you go, George, there's a there's a specific play that stands out. If anybody watched the game or, or saw the highlights, there was a play that stood out in the fourth quarter. I want to say like four minutes to go. He was double teamed and then a and then a third and a help man from the wing ended up coming. So he was almost triple teamed and he did this 
awkward kind of herky-jerky spin into the lane that ended up just being so smooth with a right-handed layup right as Anthony Davis is chasing him down and still got the bucket. Mm. Just one of those plays that stood out to me. George, what do you think about Tatum right now? Yeah, I think that in two or three years, we're going to look um, back to this era and be like, oh, yeah, he was ascending. What are we talking about? Right. Of course he was reaching this superstardom. I didn't think that he's going to be one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Um, RIP Sixers for making that choice. Oh. I don't want to talk about that. That's Markel sad. Fultz. That's really uh, sad that they could have had him. Markel Fultz is doing Not great in Orlando. Doing nice things for the man, <laughs> for the magic. Yeah. Kyle, who is your did this dude? Uh, not to play up the recency bias a little too much, but I'm going to go with Chris Middleton for tonight. Mere minutes ago, hey. capped the night off with 40 points, leading the Bucks to a 137-134 win over the Wizards in overtime. At 40 points on 15 or 28 shooting, tack on five assists, five rebounds, three steals, only two uh, two turnovers. Mm-hmm. This just, uh, oh, one more thing. He had the final nine points of overtime. For Whoa. The Ooh. Closed it down for them. Wow. Um, what a guy. The other thing that really stood out to me, he's been cooking. We were talking about this earlier. He's mm-hmm. carrying my fantasy team right now. Past 10 games, averaging 26 points on 54% from the field. 52% from three and 95% from the free throw line. Wow. For the season, he's he's still in the 50-40-90 club, but oh my God, just, yeah, the tear he's been on over the last 10 games is every, the past two seasons now, last year and this year, there's, he kind of gets thrown into the bait of like, is he really an all-star? Like, is he not? It's borderline. He's an all-star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I, I think that that debate kind of gets lumped into, is he a, an all, a superstar or not? Like, he's a deserving all-star one having to do with the Bucks' success, but like, if it weren't for Giannis, not what would the Bucks' success be like? But you know, what would he personally be able to accomplish without the spotlight on on Giannis all the time? What do you think about that, George? Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that uh, yeah, I don't know. Chris Middleton's always been that guy that's sort of yeah, he's been on the bubble, and I think that a lot of people see his game and see how reliant he is on the three ball, and don't always see what he actually contributes mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't always it's not always highlight real stuff yeah but um chris milton incredibly solid absolutely deserving of the all-star this year in my opinion and what you said about Giannis, that's to me one of the underrated things he's doing this season is taking that pressure off of Giannis to even yeah. play yeah like Giannis had played 25 minutes tonight wow chris milton played 41 wow, wow. really that's yeah. crazy another thing is that like i feel like Giannis with his very specific play style it's really rare to find a player that completely compliments him and can lift him up or lift a team up on the same team as Giannis and Chris Middleton is obviously doing that. Yeah. Mm. George, who is your did this dude? Um, my did this dude is one Bradley Beal for scoring an impressive, mean-mugging, career-high 53 points in a loss. Put the cherry on top of another wasted season while another <laughs> one of the best guards in the East, Bradley Beal, loses a year of his prime. He scored with ease and actually so this is this was written before the end of this game he scored on a back-to-back night i'm gonna extend my did this dude mm-hmm. he scored 55 points tonight he actually had his career high and then the next night had his career high again he scored 108 points in two nights that's Crazy. ridiculous not two games that were a few days apart back-to-back nights yeah he's not even like on the same stretch they're literally like he went to bed one time <laughs> and then he woke up woke up and did it again. and did it again <laughs> but better but better <laughs> and did you see God, the ESPN, is amazing the espn stat on first player to have back-to-back 50-point nights since Kobe Kobe in 07 yeah. yeah oh my god really yeah. I did not see that that's crazy fitting on a, on to, uh, today yeah, being 224 yeah his memorial oh, at Staples yeah. yeah 
the thing that is so upsetting for me, I think you're going to talk about this in a second, is just the shit team that he's on. And did yeah. you see, did you guys see the look that he had on the bench last night as they were losing to, yeah. who was it that they lost to? The Bulls. They lost to the Bulls. The Bulls, one of the oh, worst God, teams. God, I East. watched some of that. And he scored. That was pitiful. He scored yeah. 53, and he's sitting on the bench, just shaking his head. Honestly, he looked like he was on the verge of tears. You know, two weeks ago, I was actually doing a little bit of research. Two weeks ago, he was actually quoted saying, I don't care how many points I score as long as the team is winning. I could have 80, is what he said. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, I could have 80, and I wouldn't care. I care about winning, not stats. That sucks. And it he's, does suck. he's, he's not a really rough one. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is like the exact opposite of what he wants. He is not in a position. Uh, God. Like Wiz that. The Wizards are terrible. <laughs> they, got me, they got me heated. You want to say something? <gasps> I think I do. Fuck off. 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 That's right, everyone. My fuck off goes to the Washington Wizards. First off, this franchise hasn't won more than 50 games in 41 fucking years. For reference, for everybody in the audience, that was the year Susan B. Anthony dollar coins were first fucking minted and Garfield was invented. Since this, <laughs> since then, we've opened and closed the hole in the fucking ozone and Jimmy Carter was president. In the last 10 years since then, the Wizards have re retained four out of 17 of their draft picks, two of which were drafted in the last two seasons and haven't even had a chance to leave that shit-ass team. <laughs> the other two, oh, the other two have just capped sponges. They owe 28... The Wizards owe 28.7 and 38.2 million out of the $110 million cap to them the next year, and one of them isn't even playing, John Wall. This will balloon to 37.2 and 47.3 million dollars in the next two years. Get your shit together, Wizards. Scott Brooks is calling the team soft. Wall isn't even back and they won't even be, even be competitive when he does come back. Bill's your last asset worth the damage. Just scored 108 points in back-to-back -back nights and his career deserves more than just to be forgotten in the annals of a league of the most forgettable franchises. You can't take, you can take steps to get yourself out of this treadmill medi mediocrity and I know you won't do it and therefore I say fuck off. Oh, fuck. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Damn it. Whoa, whoa. I tried to... <laughs> I feel like that meme would Danny DeVito is like, and then I just started blasting. <laughs> Slow down there, killer. My God, that was you were really firing off there towards the end. Yeah, I slowed down because I thought I had more time mm -hmm. because when we ran it back the last time, I had too much time. That's all right. That sounded great. Um, treadmill of mediocrity is something I really wanted to get out, but <laughs> choked it out barely. It's all right. You you did it. That was good. Uh, you did good, kid. The wizards suck. We talked the about this. Suck. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit briefly before we started recording that. Um, the Wizards are just one of those franchises. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You're not rebuilding. You're not competing for the playoffs. You're what not you competing for championships. Is giving a lot of money to two players that aren't going to make you win. I mean, I think that Beal does deserve the money. And John Wall maybe would have deserved the money if he was healthy. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I don't they're think, doing. I think that they're just, like, staying in the middle, which is, like, we've realized in the last three years is the worst thing to be in the NBA. You like want to be at the ba bottom basement, getting those amazing players mm -hmm. to eventually be something all out the Mavericks, mm -hmm. or you want to be the best and yeah. they're neither. They're not even close to either of them. Right. There are so many franchises, at least recently that have laid out that formula that seems so simple. Be bad, get picks, get good players, get better. Yeah. But so few franchises pull it off successfully, but now we have this kind of blueprint like the Hawks, although they're terrible right now, they've got the pieces to potentially be great in a little bit. And then 
also the Grizzlies and also the uh, the Mavericks that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. They're they're teams that could potentially be really really good in, in the future. And the Wizards are just just stumbling and bumbling around in no man's land. Yeah, they're like winning too many games to be anything. Like with the Pistons and with the Cavs. Yeah. And like, what are you guys doing? Like, who? Well, yeah, the Cavs are pretty bad. They're, they're bad, bad, but they're then they trade for Drummond. It's and it's like, thing. like yeah, if I had to I give an really... optimistic take for them, it's like they have way more talent than those teams. And you. Yeah. And then you have to like build something. Anyway, uh, okay, so it's time to get to our first, first ever Yay Basketball Debates. Here we are, ready to get going. That's right, folks. Welcome to the first ever Yay Basketball Debates. We are taking advantage of the current... Um, political climate and we are capitalizing on it by having our first ever yay basketball debates this is how this is going to go so there will be three topics two of us will face off in which the third uh, uh, host will moderate the debate and ultimately choose the winner debater one will have 90 seconds to make his case followed by debater two with a 30 second rebuttal then debater two has a 90 second uh, 90 seconds to make his case followed by debater one with a 30 second rebuttal once the debate is concluded the moderator will choose the winner for that topic so we flipped a coin we decided who's going first and all this and that kyle will be moderating the first debate and the first question will be george and i facing off and the question is who is the biggest threat to the milwaukee bucks in the eastern conference Kyle, you can take it away as moderator, and George, I believe you're going first this time, yes? Uh, yeah, I think that is what we uh, agreed upon. All right, Kyle. George, are you ready for me to start the clock? Yeah. You have 90 seconds, starting okay. now. All right, this isn't going to be an incredibly fast one. I think the Heat are a better matchup to the Bucks than this than the Sixers are because positionally they match up better to dismantle the Bucks than the Sixers would. Without Giannis, the Bucks are an average team and the Heat can make can beat teams below 500 at a clip of 23.9 and at teams above 500 at 13 and 11. They have one of the best rim defenders in the league with Bam Adebayo and when Giannis can't deliver at the rim, the Bucks suffer. They can lock up these positions and when the Heat have been able to limit opportunities at the rim, they're their most effective and their opponents had been taking 26.8 shots per game from inside the restricted area, and that's the ninth fewest allowed in the NBA. During the one game that the Heat and Bucks played, the Heat also won. Seven of the Heat players scored in double digits while their best player, Jimmy Butler, wasn't even playing. They won in an overtime, and um, Giannis went off, and they still couldn't do it. He had a 29-7-8 line, if I, record, if I remember correctly. They also lock up home games at a clip of 23-3. and Lastly, their coach... Um, Eric Spolstra has more playoff success than Mike Budenholzer's, and he has matchup schemes that can absolutely outsmart the Bucks. Both Joel and Ben are also very injury-prone, Ben with a back injury currently, and are both are easily injured and will not play every game of the seven-game series most likely. Um, I know that wasn't was a little bit under 90 seconds, but that's all I got. All right, with 10 seconds to spare. <coughs> so 30-second rebuttal. Start now. Okay, the Heat are 15th in points per game, 25th in blocks, uh, 18th in steals, and 29th in offensive rebound. They're 26th in pace against the number one team pace in the league, the Milwaukee Bucks. Jimmy Butler is a cancer, and although it may seem as if he's found a team with some structure, how many missed threes or consecutive turnovers from his teammates in a game will it take before he loses his cool and tries to go be the hero with Giannis breathing down his neck? The Heat are good, but they are young, unproven, and not ready for the task that would be 
taking down the 70 win bucks. Thank you. All right. Good rebuttal. <clears throat> do you have 90 more seconds in you? I sure do. Go for it. You know, you said a lot of stuff about the Sixers. I completely agree. The only team that has the best chance to beat the Milwaukee Bucks is the Toronto Raptors. The number two seed in the East at 42 and 15. On this season, the Raptors are first in fast break points, second in defensive rating and net rating, points off turnovers and opponents' points in the paint, third in three-point percentage and top 10 in assists, points, and free throw percentage. They're 17 and two in their last 19 games, outscoring their opponents by nearly 10 points per game while shooting 50% as a team from the field and 40% from the line on nearly 26 assists. 27 assists per game in that stretch. Kyle himself said last week that when the Bucks get behind a team that is on fire, they have a tendency to fold. The Raptors can do that. They have one of the best home court advantages in the league being in Toronto. Nick Nurse is a coach of the year candidate with the injuries his team has dealt with and has implemented one of the the most team-oriented systems in the league. Last year, the Raptors had Kawhi to stop Giannis, but we have seen Pascal blossom right before our eyes, and he looks ready to ch- of the, for the challenge of slowing down the soon-to-be two-time MVP. Lowry is still one of the best defensive, defensive guards in the league and is ready to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, along with long, smart defenders like Ibaka, Gasol, Boucher, Terrence Davis. They can not only compete with the Bucks, but they can beat them. Thank you. Five seconds to spare. You included Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher in your argument. I like that. I sure did. Uh, when Young. did you decide to not go with the Sixers instead of? The uh, I think uh, some well, somewhere he told along me he was going to do the Sixers. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Somewhere along the line, when they got mollywopped on Saturday night, <laughs> Quite uh, the and also the Raptors are very very good, and they're not getting enough credit for it. Okay, so. well. 30-second uh, rebuttal for George. A, yeah, yeah, kind of three I, for one. Give me uh, your 30-second rebuttal. Okay. Um, I'm just going to address a few points that I think that I could uh, poss- possibly uh, respond to now that I've been uh, transitioned or pivoted. Um, they do have a good home advantage, but not a better one than the Heat. I think that we talked about that. That's backed up by stats. Pascal is not a replacement for Kawhi defensively. Sure, he's blossoming and he's a better player this year, but I don't think that he is anywhere near the defensive stopper that Kawhi was for them last year when they won the championship. And you also brought up Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher in your argument. Yeah, those guys are scrubs. Sorry, that's it. Wow, scrubs. <sighs> yep, that's my 30-second post that's tough. 30-second rebuttal. That's tough. Okay. Uh, Michael, I like the numbers. Um, I mean, you, you bring up my own demons watching the playoffs last year. Yeah. I lost to the Raptors. Sorry. Uh, that was mainly Kawhi-led. I do want to say, no team's beating the Bucks. But if there were a team to do it, oh, yeah, yeah. the best I team. I actually completely agree with All that right. as well. E- easy. Yeah. <laughs> too excited. Oh, man. Oh, me, me, yeah. That is a tough one. In the East, I should say. No team's beating the Bucks in the East. Okay. I've made my decision. Okay. Wait, do you have any questions for our arguments? Like any clarifications? Sure. Ask us a question if you got. No, if you don't, if you don't. That's fine. Okay, just make it. Okay. Um, so I'm at, and you don't have any. I want to make sure there's no more music. You had to play before you. Nope. Nope. No more You're drops. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. No more drops. First run through. I just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors and Michael. Thank uh, you. Their speed very much scares me. Their experience scares me. Uh, Siakam's a good matchup. Kyle Lowry, uh, oddly enough, as much as I've made fun of him over the years, scares me against Eric Bledsoe a little bit. Um, dude can take a charge. Dude can take a charge yeah. no matter the time or place. Um, but the one thing that really does scare me is, well, sorry, backtrack a little bit. The one point you made that I think is an effective counter to George is the youth of the heat. Mm. Um, they're dynamic and they've pulled out some amazing wins, but a lot of those games were behind absolute 
breakout performances from, I mean, Bam Adebayo is a legitimate all-star, yeah. but he has not sustained that over an entire playoff series. Sure. Uh, they've won games on the backs of Duncan Robinson, mm-hmm. Tyler Harrow, who mm-hmm. have never seen a playoff game. Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn, who's never seen a playoff game. Um, yeah. And that, most that, of these Raptors guys have not only been to the playoffs, they've won a championship. Yeah. I mean, not be shaved. I agree. No. So, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. But excellent arguments. Thank you. That All right. Well, I'll take that point and I'll pocket that shit. Um, on to our next question. It will be Kyle against George. Ooh, getting a second crack. I will be moderating this one. Although they most definitely should not trade either of them, if the Sixers were to trade one of their young Hall of Fame potential stars in the offseason, which should they trade? Embiid? Or Simmons. George, I believe you're going first. 90 um, seconds on the clock. Wait, Begin. wait. Okay. Um, so contention A, I believe that Ben Simmons is a better teammate to fit and to build around. He embodies positionless basketball. At a playmaking seven, six foot 10, 229 pound guard with seven foot wingspan, you can pair him with any player. You could pair him with a center like Embiid. Multiple 3 and D players like Richardson and, um, and Harris. I think that shooters plus Ben is a better model for the future. We know that LeBron plus shooters... LeBron has, Ben Simmons has drawn multiple comparisons to LeBron, has won a championship. Talented shooters are easier to find than Embiid pairs, and Embiid clogs the front court when he's placed with Simmons. Embiid is also more replaceable on the current Sixers squad, a la Al Horford. Ben Simmons is a little bit more of a unique combination of playmaking, transition offense, size, and ability to defend each and every position. I think that Embiid would fetch quite a bit on the trade market as well. So in terms of whether or not you should trade him, I think that he probably would fetch a lot more than Ben Simmons would just because of his, quote, star power. Mm. I think it's also better to invest long-term in Ben. In terms of gains missed, Embiid has missed 102 games due to injury, not counting the two years that he sat with a foot injury. Um, And Ben Simmons has missed eight games since his NBA debut 2.5 seasons ago. It's entirely possible that Embiid has also reached his athletic peak due to injuries and probably won't play more than 60 regular season games for the rest of his career. Possible. Not probable. Um, Ben also has 24.7 win shares while Joel has 22. And this year, without five-man lineups with Ben and no Embiid on the court, the Sixers actually make more threes with a guard that can't shoot threes in Ben Simmons. In terms of attitude issues, Embiid does fire up the Sixers but is a problem in terms of fighting and his social media BS. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, time. Okay. 30-second rebuttal on the clock for Kyle. Uh, One moment here and begin. All right, you started that with a really interesting point that he's kind of a utility player that you can compare to anyone. But Mm. what's curious to me about that is you can't really compare him to center because he's not ever going to play that position. Sure. And you can't really compare him to a 3 and D player because he can't fucking shoot threes. Mm. Um, You bring up the trade market. I do kind of get where you're going with that. I haven't really seen any trade packages offered for either of them. I think that's kind of a wash when you look at both the age of the players, their current contracts. I don't necessarily see one going for a lot okay. more than okay. the other. 30 seconds up. Thank you. All right. All right. So, hmm, interesting argument there from George. And now we have 90 seconds on the clock for Kyle. Begin. All right, I've got a question for you to start. How many franchise players can you name that don't know which hand they're supposed to shoot with? Wow. It's going to get things started. I'm going to jump into some numbers here, but I'm going to start just with JoJo's line from tonight without Ben clogging up the court. He had a career-high 49 points, 14 mm. rebounds to go along with three assists, three steals, and a block, and a plus 19 for the game. It was the fourth game this season with JoJo on the court without Ben. Those other three games, 16, 2, 2, and 2, a plus 24 a couple days ago. He also went for 18, 9, and 3 with two steals and two blocks back in November. And the first game this season without uh, Ben on the court, Joel went for 19 and 15. They are 3 and 1 without Ben on the court this season. 
Sure, that's a small sample size, but it is reflective of how much it frees up JoJo to be the franchise player he's supposed to be when Ben is not on the court. So I ask again, would you rather have a franchise big man who shoots 33% from three for his career and improving on that with each season? Or would you rather have a franchise point guard that shoots a career 8% from three and is still terrified to shoot anything outside of the paint? I ask you, which one of these players gets you past Giannis? Which one of these players gets you past Tatum and Brown? past all the roadblocks that finally complete the process, the one that started the process, Joel Embiid. All right, great argument. That was a good little uh, little word thing you did at the end there. It was. There. Yeah, 30 seconds for stuff. George. Begin. Um, just a few uh, points I'd like to respond to. Sure, he's hot with a few stat lines, but a few stat lines does not an argument make. I think that overall Ben Simmons is better for the future of the um, team. Um, he is a more serious, uh, has fewer behavioral issues. He's humble and will be a better leader over time. Um, Joel Embiid can't be on the court, quote unquote, if he literally does not take the court as much as he should. He plays about 60 games for every regular season. And about the threes, um, the team actually shoots more threes when it's lineups of just Ben Thank you. Simmons 30 seconds without is Joel Embiid. 30 goes quick. Uh, if I could ask really uh, a question of George, you sure. mentioned that you believe that uh, the Sixers would receive more in a trade for Joel Embiid. Hmm. What, do, what do you think that they could potentially pair with uh, Simmons that would make this more more of a, 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 a better situation than trading Simmons? So I think one of the understood uh, weaknesses of a team built around Ben Simmons is the need for shooting. And I think that they can get absolute killer shooters for Joel Embiid. And then as well as um, any center to replace him as well. That would do the job that Embiid does um, in terms of offensive rebounding and um, scoring in the paint as well as getting shooters. Okay, thank you. I'll pose the same question. Who do you think that the Sixers could get for Simmons that would actually make it worth trading Ben Simmons? I just think having a capable starting point guard that mm -hmm. can shoot the ball mm -hmm. makes this a completely different team. Just the mm. amount of space you can get from not having your point guard stand in the dunker position on the offensive end is a game changer. I mean, it really takes a lot of pressure off having those kind of you know, ancillary pieces like a Korkmaz mm -hmm. who, you know, he's a great shooter, but he's having to create a lot more than he would if you actually had a point guard who was a danger from three who's going to give him more space to be that spot-up shooter that's a much better fit for his talent. Okay. Well, I would like it to be known that I was slightly biased when I came into this. I do have my own opinion on this take. Um, so one of you is at a disadvantage from the jump. But... A really good argument made by both of you. So I kind of leveled the playing field again. Uh, I, I think it might be the fact that we've seen more of it. The fact that Joe has missed more time. Joel Embiid has missed more time. And we see a larger sample size of what it's like when it's just Simmons and shooters. Uh, but tonight, Joel Embiid... Career high, 49 and 14. Jesus, Ooh. come on. It's one night. It's one night. You're right. It'd be good on the trade market. Got to trade Joe. Got to trade oh, Joe. Oh, wow. Cool. Sorry. I almost warned you. I was like, don't talk shit on him before you. <laughs> no, I know. I had to like try, try to walk that like really finely. But like, ah, he would fetch a lot. But Ben Simmons is still better for the team. <laughs> um, all right. Points, though. Good, really, really good points. Good one. Good I like one. I like how thought out this all was. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Good one. Okay. Oh, we still got another one. Yeah. We have one more and this yeah, will be I'm fun. The moderator. <laughs> this will be our final one. And then we will wrap up and we'll send you guys on your merry way to go do whatever it is you do with your filthy little fingers. Um, 
on your phones and stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Phones are phones are really gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> George, you are the next. You are the moderator for this one. Yeah, we got 90-30-90-30. Correct. I will pose the question. Other than an LA team being the Lakers or the Clippers, who is most likely to come out of the West? Houston, excuse me, or Denver? Kyle is going first. Arguing for Denver. Denver. I'll be speaking on behalf of the Nuggets. Okay. All right. All right, Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and start your time in five, four, three, two, one. All right. Uh, I'd like to start this argument by uh, taking on the persona of a, of a scared voter. Okay. Uh, someone scared of, of conflict and scared of being disappointed. And when I think of disappointment in the playoffs, I think of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, mm. two players who absolutely cannot get it done in the postseason. And that really scares me if I'm picking a team that's going to take down the big bad Lakers. So that brings me to the Nuggets. I'd like to move move on to the issues and keep this positive from here on out. Uh, when I think about how you're going to get out of the West, you are going to have to go through the Lakers at some point, and that means Anthony Davis. Your options for players over 6'8", if you're the Houston Rockets, are Bruno Caboclo. Zero playoff experience, and that's about the nicest thing I can say about him. Or a 37-year-old Tyson Chandler, which sounds like a joke, but is his actual age. The Nuggets, on the other hand, can throw their own superstar at him and still match size with the rest of the Lakers with some combination of Mason Plumley, Noah Vonley, or MPJ on the court. You look at uh, how the current playoff standings stack up. Seems like everything is not locked in, but somewhat believable of, of how things are going to shake out. The Nuggets wouldn't have to face the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals. The Rockets, on the other hand, if they get past the Jazz, would have to face them in the second round. That's a fresher LeBron, a fresher AD, and that scares me a lot more. I, I really think the Nuggets are the team to come out of the West, and they're going to pull it off. Thank you for your comments. Five seconds to spare. Um, Michael, rebuttals for 30 seconds, starting in three, two, one. They don't care about your big man. Go ahead and post him up 30 times a game if you want. They're sprinting down the court and hitting a three or getting a layup in the same time, amount of time it took you to get one entry pass to your dominant center. Nikola Jokic is 426 pounds. His favorite meal is Skeddy and butter with a two liter of diet RC cola and a crayon for dessert. He's a fake superstar. I don't care that he's a wannabe globetrotter and can hit someone in a corner three every now and then. He will not get your team over the hump. The Nuggets are 18th in points per game, 26 in threes attempted, and 23rd in makes. 29 in pace. They cannot get out of the West. Let's not pretend like like they can. 30 seconds up. Whew. Did you time that? That was good. Okay, take a second to pause. I'm ready. yourself. Let's do it. Ready? Three, two, one. Team Rocket blasting off. Let's go. Six sevens or less is what they're called. They're the purest form of small ball we've ever seen. They're second in points per game, first in three-point attempts and makes, second in points behind only the Bucks. They, like I said, they don't give a shit about your big man. They have only one. They have one of the most prolific scorers in the history of basketball who takes as many free throw attempts as anybody in the league. You can like his style or not. He can score the damn ball as well as, if not better, than anybody else. Now, I've said as, long, uh, as well as Kyle did just a moment ago, James Harden doesn't show up in big games, and I still believe that. But you know who does? Russell Westbrook. We were just talking about last week how underrated he is. He's one of the most clutch players in the league and has been so for several years. The Rockets have rebuilt their system to fully take advantage of his unique abilities, and since then, we have seen Russell explode. Together, Russ and, Russ and Harden are, one, are two of the best players to never win a ring, but this could be the year. Do they have the pieces to make it work? Do they have the system to make it work? Do they have the speed? Do they have the threes? The answer is yes. They can beat the Nuggets. They can beat the Clippers. 
Hell, they can beat the Lakers. Thank you. Okay. Well, sometimes we're at the end, too. Kyle, you have 30 seconds for a rebuttal. You need some time to collect your thoughts? I think I'm all right. Okay. Three, two, one. All right. Your argument rests on uh, two kind of big assumptions that I think are somewhat dubious. One, that the Rockets are going to succeed with the system they started implementing about two weeks ago. I really don't know how much success that's going to get them in the playoffs when they've been running it for less than 30 games going in. That scares me. The other uh, assumption is that LeBron (laughs) plays his system in the playoffs. He doesn't back down to anyone else. He slows the ball down and plays at his pace no matter who they're playing against. Can the Rockets do that in LeBron speed? Okay. Mm. All right, George, you got a decision to make. Okay. Um, Before I proceed with uh, my... uh, Decision. I do have a single question that hinged on one of the major questions I had in each of the arguments that you guys had. Um, Michael, I'll pose to you first. Um, how do the Rockets get through AD in about a sentence? Like I said, they're going to outpace you, and they're going to hit a shot. Every time you get a layup or a dunk, they're going to hit a three, and they're going to do it faster. Okay. Kyle. How do the Nuggets combat the pace of the Lakers? Oh, well, I think kind of what I was going to, um, LeBron's made it very clear that in the playoffs that he will absolutely slow things down. We've seen it year over year. They'll play fast in the regular season, and then he'll slow things down for the playoffs. Uh, it's when the Nuggets are more comfortable anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll cede that point to Michael, that Jokic is not the most uh, in-shape player. Playing slow definitely uh, helps his stamina as well as just his type of play. And... Um, I just think possession for possession, they're both very smart teams, but I think Jokic can um, kind of facilitate an offense in that slower pace and really kind of start a war with the Lakers that can you know, go seven games. 426 pounds. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so just going through a little bit of the points, um, I think that, uh, yeah, um, Nikola Jokic probably doesn't have the – I don't get the necessarily the feeling that he's going to – his slower pace is going to be so much better against the Lakers – then the Rockets pushing the pace would be at the same time. Um, I liked the argument originally that, you know, both players disappoint in the playoffs, but I think that together they, you know, could give something. So I think that that does bring that point down a little bit. Um, Michael, you did have a few good points um, about speeding up the pace, but if you have nobody in the paint to combat like a easy, easy bucket, that is like, you know, the you know, exact metrics opposite of the number of the Rockets numbers game. Um, all things considered, I think I'm going to give this victory to the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry about that. Everybody had very good points. I liked how I thought out the arguments were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I, got to say, I I leaned a little bit more on the side of the side of the Rockets. Well, I mean, it comes down to like, if they can hit it the night before a game seven in the playoffs, he's eating a pound of Skeddy and butter. Come on. (laughs) RC Cola. Um, (laughs) That was our first ever Yay Basketball Debates. Thank you for listening. (laughs) That was fun. That was fun. I liked it. I liked it. 2-0 on the day. 2-0 on the day. 
I'll take okay. that. No, oh, I'm not going to brag about it too much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Please be sure to download, subscribe, give us five stars. The biggest thing is if you know someone who you think would like this podcast, send it to them. Send them a link. Say, hey, I think you might enjoy this. We're bite-sized pods, you know, 25 to 30 to 45 minutes, you know, somewhere in there. Not an hour and 20 minutes, nothing long. You can digest it on your way to work or on your way home. If you like basketball or you like friendship, this pod is for you. <laughs> Trivia, game shows, things like that. That's what we all try to roll in here. Um, uh, so thanks uh, thanks again. Like I said, thank you so much for listening. Please go ahead and give us a share. Send a link around. Tell your friends about it. Kyle, is there anything you have for the people? Uh, I give the people the fantasy updates every week that they do not ask for. I'm doing better in a playoff spot now. Hey, you are. Hey, I'm proud of that, by the way. We haven't talked about that yet. Congrats. I'm good. I'm yeah, feeling good. Very good. George, anything um, for the people? Um, no. Smash that like subscribe button, I guess. (laughs) Please. Yeah, go ahead and smash that like subscribe button. See you guys next week. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. As I said, send it along to a friend. We hope you enjoyed. And remember, yay basketball.